Empire. What will 2022 offer for youth sports participants? The obesity levels increase exponentially for kids, both active kids who are normally active and kids who have not been active. They increase by multiple percentage points. This is a big concern. If we don't attack it now through sports, everybody will pay for that later in life. That's Adam Geisler, co-founder and CEO of Youth Athletes United, a group dedicated to making sports accessible even in a pandemic. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. New Year's felt like Groundhog Day, spiking COVID cases, appeals for vaccines and masking, and potential shutdowns if infection rates continue to soar. It has been brutal. For entrepreneurs like Adam Geisler, it serves only as another roadblock in his mission to get kids access to all levels of youth sports. Our guest this week is Adam Geisler, who's the co-founder and the CEO of Youth Athletes. And recently, that group has incorporated TGA Premier Sports, which has focused on youth golf and youth tennis. So let's have a broad conversation about the state of youth sports in these very unusual times. Hey, Adam, how are you? Very good. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Um, Why don't you give us just some background first on Youth Athletes United? Yeah, Youth Athletes United has been about three years in the making. And what we really uh, decided that we wanted to do is, you know, we we all have exercise science uh, degrees. A lot of people in in our business, we're all parents. We all care about uh, the impact on on kids. And what we saw more than anything is the sport and industries continue to grow. You know, we're, we're, we're seeing the upper echelon of youth sports become much bigger and also um, much narrower, right? We talk about this $13 billion youth sports industry, but that's at the travel. That's at the elite. You know, what are we going to do to impact the kids as their first sport experience? And that's what we, we said that we really want to do and be very disruptive in and provide more impact and more growth and more reach to kids as their first sport experience. Um, so that was our original thesis. And we started with soccer in a multi-sport program called Soccer Stars um, and Amazing Athletes. And our goal is we want to be that first sport experience for kids. And if we make it fun and engaging while teaching them the fundamentals of sport, we've got to, every kid's an athlete. Every kid will participate in sports and they'll have a lot more fun when they decide to make the decision to go into a sport-specific skill, whether that be soccer, whether it be baseball, whether it be basketball, whether it be tennis or golf. And so we really wanted to be at that bottom of the funnel and take on both that opportunity to impact the kids, but also that responsibility of having coaches that understand how to react to kids, train kids, and give them those those basic motor skills and development from a, a curriculum base. So when they decide to if they decide to go into leagues and gameplay, they know what they're doing um, and they're having much more fun doing it. And listen, this is how you grow the game. It's how you grow the game is, is really focusing on that bottom of the funnel. And that's what we think is, is a big opportunity to have big impact. What was the barrier? Just access? What did you guys look at to try to break through with? Yeah, it's access and scale. I mean, you know, this is a business and an industry where it's a lot of, you know, small local um, called mom and pop, mom and pop uh, um, operators who don't have resources to scale or reach more kids, whether it's in underserved markets or it's in high income markets, um, giving, giving kids access to these sports. And so 
by having a, a system, a franchise system, where we're, we're able to provide best-in-class coaching, best-in-class resources for the parents and the kids, whether that be equipment, whether it be registration platforms, whether it be how we actually teach the curriculum itself, those things provide better product quality. Um, and it's been an amazing opportunity to impact more kids. And a lot of those, those smaller companies have actually, um, we've acquired them and they've joined forces with us because they see the opportunity for us to impact more kids when they're part of our platform. All right. When you use the word curriculum, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So what we say is, you know, the first thing we do is engage the kids, you know, get them moving, get them understanding and, and be on their level and really connect with them emotionally first. Then when we, then from there, we teach them fun games. You know, we teach them TikToks. We teach them that the cones are trees and use your foot to knock over the tree. Then use your foot to pick the cone back up and just give them some real small milestone accomplishments. Um, and we do that over the course of 45, 45 minutes. A lot of just basic skills, but they're having fun. They don't realize they're learning the fundamentals of soccer while they're having fun. And then we get them involved in the big game. You know, we get them to kick the ball in the goal and get that experience of what it's like to kick a ball in the goal, that accomplishment and that feeling. And when they start to experience those things, it's unbelievable. I mean, you can see it on their faces. You can see the connection with them. And you don't just do it for, you don't have one curriculum that fits all. You do it for twos and threes. You have a, you have a progression curriculum that goes for threes and fours and fours and fives. And you really kind of level them up, uh, you know, over, over a course of time. And they build up this confidence. And we see it every day. We watch it every day. And that's, that's what we're able to do across soccer, tennis, golf, and our multi-sport programs. All right. So let's get into TGA Premier Sports for a moment before we just kind of have a broader conversation about youth sports in general. Um, TGA Premier Sports is based mainly in golf and tennis. What was attractive about that to you to incorporate into what you were doing? So, so for us, what we really love with the businesses that we had, you know, with Soccer Stars and Amazing Athletes, we really honed in on that four to six old, four to six year old. You know, we had a, a larger base, but four to six was really kind of our sweet spot. What we love about golf and tennis is they're still very curriculum based. We're still teaching fundamentals and skills but we started at an older level. So we started ages six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, um, and go all the way up to 14. And golf and tennis really take some very, very fine motor skills that you have to be a little bit older, a little bit more experienced to start to really take advantage of. And what we also saw, especially from the pandemic, is those sports really have an increase in participation. People are embracing those sports that were overlooked um, a while ago partly because they were a bit more um, safe and socially distanced, but it's much fun. And people realized again, you know, how great they are golf and tennis to engage in. And so we love TGA because we believe that we now have this much longer athlete pathway. We can get kids as young as 18 months, all the way up to six years old with our soccer and multi-sport programming. And then we can keep them. If they decide that tennis and golf is, is our sports that they really love, they can stay within our system and the more sport verticals that ultimately we get into, the longer we can keep the parent and the kids in our system and have a bigger impact. And by the way, if they go to other brands or other sports and we've impacted them positively, we still win. Um, let me ask the same question about golf and tennis that I asked initially about soccer, um, which access has always been an issue for a lot of different communities. As you know, these two sports are far more exclusive and in the case of golf, very expensive to be a part of. Um, how do you kind of tackle the idea of access for young people getting into expensive and exclusive sports? 
a really great question. And, and that's what we really love about this platform that we're building. The larger we get in scale, the more impact we can have on underserved communities. So because we are building this youth franchise platform, what's going to be incumbent and is incumbent upon our franchisees is not only to serve the communities that can register and pay for this, but to take volunteer hours and go into these underserved communities and provide the programming that we've built with our franchisees and our coaches and go serve those underserved communities. So we're doing that today. We're going to really expand upon that. And then in golf specific, one of our really core partners that does an amazing job with this that, that we're helping to grow the game with is Youth on Course. They do a phenomenal job of giving access, affordable access for those kids that can't afford it in underserved communities. Um, and they are a really important strategic partner for us in growing the game of golf. All right, so let's have a little broad conversation here about youth sports. Um, we are in extremely unusual times. You referenced, you know, what was happening with certain sports and explosion of interest because of the pandemic and the guidelines and outdoor sports suddenly probably are more appealing and people want to play. Um, can you just kind of give me a general sense of what the last almost two years have been like in the sport youth sports landscape? Yeah, I mean, you know, when when our freedoms of, of not being able to interact with those kids physically and in person and have that, and have that impact. I think so many parents and kids had an appreciation for what sports really means and the impact that it can have on those kids. And when it was, when it was taken away from us for a period of time for safety reasons, and we were able to get it back. Oh man, the parents, the kids, they, they appreciated and understood and had the excitement levels like never before. And the kids, wanted it more than they ever have. And so we got all types of new enrollments, new engagement, and it's been phenomenal. And one of the things that I think we've really been able to see that's really important that companies like ours have to be at the forefront of, um, there's a great article in the Aspen Institute that talks about underserved kids and kind of what's been happening in, in sports and sports industries. So there's one part of it of a lot of the recreational programs, these small community programs, they got wiped out by COVID. They didn't have the funding. They didn't have the ability to run it. So really incumbent upon us to re-engage with those programs and re-engage with those communities through our platform. We think that's really important. And the other thing that people aren't talking about, and it's this convergence really of this digital age, this metaverse that we're going into, is obesity levels. The obesity levels increased exponentially for kids, both active kids who are normally active and kids who have not been active. They increased by multiple percentage points. This is a big concern. If we don't attack it now through sports, everybody will pay for that later in life. And we, we can't let that happen. That's our job. That's our responsibility. And the more we see kids getting involved in the metaverse, which, by the way, it's right for kids. I mean, my, I have kids that I love them. I love the fact that they're engaged through digital. But we have to meet them where they are. And we have to show them that there has to be a physical and digital component. They've got to get off those iPads. They've got to get off their digital digital devices, and they've got to get out in the world. And we've got to get into sports. And that is the best thing out there for these kids' health. And we need to create those habits now, today, for those kids, so that it becomes practice for them when later in life. As you talk about that as a kind of larger, broader goal, and at the same time. You know, there's a lot of issues that have occurred here over the last year and a half. A lot of funding, staffing, I'm sure, has been a problem. Facilities becoming a problem. How do you kind of view a private company like yours working with what I would think you think are still the necessary local rec leagues that are funded and, and used to keep kids moving? 
How do you see those two things working together in the future? Yeah, fortunately, you know, we, we do it today and it's been even stronger for us, um, you know, kind of in this new pandemic world where a lot of those rec leagues, they come to us and say, listen, we want more participation. You know, we see soccer participation or baseball participation or basketball participation. We see it waning. What do we do to fix that? Let us come in. We teach the fun. We teach the curriculum. Outsource that to us. That's our responsibility to connect with those kids. When we get those kids engaged, you will see those those participation rates increase. And we talked about it kind of the beginning of this beginning of this conversation. We've got to impact the bottom of the funnel. So we're partnering with all those. We reach out to all those recreational companies, and they all love us. They love what we do. They need what we do so that you get better engagement in the recreational reefs. You also kind of referenced something that's been happening in youth sports, which is the hyper-competitiveness that has been occurring at certain levels of it. And that's not to dismiss that and that it's not a good thing for kids to achieve. Um, How do you kind of view the competitive part of this? Because it seems like what you're talking about is a much broader, just inclusive, don't worry about trying to be on Manchester United one day you know, idea. So could you kind of take me through how you see youth sports through your lens amid the landscape of a much more competitive environment that's growing with kids? Yes. And so what we, what we provide is, you know, access to multiple sports. The biggest thing that these kids can do to achieve that competitive level, which by the way, we are in that competitive level. We are in that travel business it's just not the lion's share of our business, but it's a reward that we get because we've done it right at the beginning. And the biggest thing is give kids access to multiple sports at a young age. Don't push them into a single sport. It's the worst thing that we can do. If they gravitate to a single sport and that's all they want to do, hone it. But get them exposure to soccer, lacrosse, tennis, golf, basketball. Get them exposed to everything. And that's really what we focus on that, at that bottom of the funnel. Then the goal is by six or seven, you make that decision of deliberate play. And that's the biggest thing is we want to give those kids access to so many different things. So when they're making that deliberate play decision, when they have the ability to decide on their own, I want to be a tennis player. I want to be a golfer. I want to be a soccer player or a baseball player. Those are things that I want to do. It's my decision, mom and dad. That's what I want to do. They've made that decision, but we've given them a sample or a case of every single thing. So when they get there, they've made that deliberate decision. That will focus us on having better athletes' longevity and staying in that elite level. And listen, we love the elite, elite level. What we just need to do a better job collectively as an industry is more scholarship programs, more subsidized programs that allow those who cannot afford to still participate in those same, in those same programs at those same levels because they are just as talented. We just need to give them more access and that's part of what we do as well. We're run, we run a nonprofit. We're really focused on our scholarship opportunities and players and recognizing those parents and kids who don't have access and want that access. All right. Let me shift over a little bit to technology then um, and what role you see it playing in youth sports in terms of connectivity or training. Um, how do you view the advent of technology in youth sports and how can it be utilized best? Listen, I think it's awesome. Um, I think we're seeing all types of technology opportunities that are, that are impacting our kids, um, you know, from connected equipment, um, whether it's basketballs, football, soccer balls, that are finding ways to engage kids more from a training level. I mean, I remember myself having to pop the VHS tape in of, of Larry Bird 
and watching his skills back and forth on rewind just so I could figure out, you know, how I wanted to play better. And these kids have connected basketballs. These kids have the ability to use their iPhone and watch the trajectory of their shot and their and, and how their, their fingers are placed on the ball. I think all of those measurement types of ice and inter- interactive devices are phenomenal. And then you're finding a lot more training advice, training devices that are really focused on speed and agility, blaze pods, and, and a lot of these types of technology that I think are just so wonderful for getting kids focused on the, the ability to compete at all levels. Um, you know, there's always this talk about like natural athlete versus non-natural athlete. And it, it, it's really a terrible term. Everybody can be a great athlete if they work hard. And people who have different different genetics, it doesn't matter. It's the skill base that we really want to focus on. And I think technology across the board is going to help all of those kids. And I, I think it's wonderful. We have to embrace it. You know, so in, in our more elite level training sessions, we put blaze pods in there. We put a lot more analytics. We're, we're, we're going through all those types of systems. You know, we partner with Huddle and all these different programs where we can watch game tape and the kids can see themselves. Those are things that as, as younger kids and younger athletes, we never had exposure to. And you watch it in the professional game. Analytics are everything. Um, so, you know, I think all those things are very positive and we need to embrace them as a community. Where are you on the role of esports uh, when it comes to youths and youth sports? I think it's an amazing compliment. It can't be in place of. You know, so we talk about it all the time. We've got these amazing communities of, of travel teams and these elite level, these elite level players. And we encourage them to be in esports leagues. And we're watching actually a lot of travel clubs, uh, soccer clubs specifically, where they'll have their travel team and then their travel team will join an esports league. And it's just another way to stay connected um, and have that community engagement. So I think it's great. I think it's not a replacement of, I think it needs to be a complement of. And I think, again, competition, camaraderie, those types of things are phenomenal as long as we have both in-person, live, and we, ha- and we have online and offline. Okay. All right. Last thing. Let's just do kind of a big picture here. Um, and I think we both just hope at some point we're going to get out of a pandemic and life will semi get back to whatever normal looks like after this is all over. Doesn't sound like it's happening anytime soon, but hopefully one of these days we will get life back. The future of youth sports, is it completely private? How, how do you kind of see what youth sports looks like en masse? Yeah, listen, I, I think it's a really great point. I, it, it has to be a mix of public and private. You know, again, the, the public subsidies are so important because they give access both in fields and price and community. And again, we don't need every athlete to be a professional athlete, a collegiate athlete, or a high school athlete. But what we need to combat is that kids are opting out of the recreational sports at a much earlier age. And what happens is if they get back into sports, it's not until, until they're an adult. And even an adult, we tend to find that the, the life cycle or lifespan of an adult in recreational sports is now an hour because it, it, your body, your body can't handle it the same, the same way it could as a younger person. So our goal is if we really embrace team sports, we got to find ways to make it more fun engaging. So whether privatized comes more into that rec sports pace and helps make it more fun engaging, I do think we'll see that proliferation a lot more um, because the community, community programs only have so many resources. But again, as long as we're impacting kids and we're giving back to the community, um, we all win. And we're kind of we're all in the same game. But I do think you'll see a lot more private companies that have scale and ability to 
level up the content and make it more fun and engaging so that it's not all about the trophy. It's not all about, you know, the, the, am I on the select team or the club team? Those rec kids can have that same experience um, and really enjoy it in a, in a different way than they're getting today. Adam Geisler is the co-founder and the CEO of Youth Athletes United. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Brent. On the next Future Sport Podcast, remember the major debate about concussions and football? There's a lot of new data out there, and it will surprise you. If you could point to a data set that says kids are taking a thousand head impacts a year mm. and connect it on to, you know, recent scenarios of folks who commit suicide or have these deviant behaviors who possibly play in the NFL versus the true story, which is people don't get hit that hard or that often in American football or really any other sport that we've looked at. That's Adam Barch, Chief Science Officer at Prevent Biometrics, who is working to make the games safer and expound on new data that may explain how risky the games we play are. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.